So uh, listen up. Tonight we're going to have a good time looking into the Word of God, and I'm excited about tonight. It's a little bit less stressful to me than last night's passage, and working through that carefully and, uh, and biblically. And so tonight um, we're going to have a great time talking about this subject of the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ. If as we continue our theme, our theme is only Jesus, and the title of this message is that Jesus is the only foundation for our lives. Um, that means many different things, but uh, I will tell you, when we say the word foundation, maybe you think of um, the concrete foundation on the floor. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about. If I said foundation and you were thinking of makeup, uh, sorry ladies, that's not what we're talking about tonight. Uh, I know nothing about that, and, uh, and that would not go very far. If you're thinking of foundation like an organization that raises monies and delegates funds to different places, uh, that'd be nice. Um, you can delegate some funds to Northside Baptist Church if you own a foundation. But tonight we're talking about the foundation, what you build something on. And there's some incredible truths that we see from God's word as we talk about foundations. We're going to jump right into it. I want to make sure to honor your time. I will say this real quickly. I had a wonderful day. We had great fellowship with the men at lunchtime. We had great fellowship. The pastors and I just had a sweet morning uh, with breakfast and coffee. And then we had a great time hanging out with the guys. Had some good hot dogs with chili and cheese and onions and all that good stuff. The chili tonight was amazing as well. So what a blessed day. I actually did something today that I don't know that I've ever done before in Vermont. And I just, I, I literally just rested. And it was a sweet blessing. Um, it was a sweet blessing. I think I'm getting old because normally I don't want to do that. And today I loved every minute of it. In fact, I just sat by one of these windows and did some work and some uh, communication with uh, people in the office back at home. And as I did, I just looked out and said, first of all, I wish my office had this view every day because it is just glorious with all the trees and all the colors and the wind and the rain. All of it is beautiful. And, uh, and then... I don't know what else I was going to say. It was a great, beautiful day. So I'm thankful that we're coming together tonight. Oh, I remember the second thing. The second thing that I'm so blessed by is I am 100% confident on a Monday night when I've been here, and this is my fourth time uh, coming to, to preach here in Revival Week, I will say I've never seen a crowd like this on a Monday night, not even close. And I praise the Lord for what he's doing here at Northside Baptist Church. Um, I hope you recognize it. Don't take it for granted. And recognize how exciting it is to be in a place where God is doing something. And where God is bringing people and adding people to the church daily, weekly. And you get to see his mighty hand blessing this ministry. So praise the Lord for what he has done. We're going to look into his word. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. We're going to read together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to have you stand with me once you find the passage, and then we will read this passage together. Jesus is our only foundation for life, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read with me verses 10 and 11. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I, this is Paul speaking, have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon." For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We all have a responsibility to build, but there is only one foundation that we are building upon. And that foundation is Jesus Christ alone. Will you pray with me, Father? We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises within. We thank you for the guidance and the instruction. God, as we think about foundations and how they're used, there's a lot of of detail about their purpose and about the way that they're created and about how they're used, what their roles are, and all the ways that they play into this illustration. God, it is incredible to see 
that in your foresight, you knew what a foundation is required in building a building, and you would allow that to be such an incredible picture of how we are supposed to build our lives on Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that as we look into your word tonight, that we will be challenged and inspired, and and most of all, we will draw closer to you, recognizing that you are a good, loving God who leads us well. I pray that we will follow you and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Tonight we're going to jump into this passage looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We read verses 10 and 11 there, but I actually want to go back and I want to work through the beginning of this passage to give you the context that builds up to where we're at. It says here at the very beginning of the chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Wow. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is addressing an issue of conflict that was taking place in and around the church of Corinth. And he literally begins, don't miss me right from the beginning, he literally begins by explaining to the church members that they are acting like babies, acting like little babies. And I'm just telling you, as I was reading this, Dan, I thought to myself, preachers would not get by in this world we live in today if Pastor Dan got up and said, you're a bunch of little babies. Like, That would be like people, we might not have as many people tomorrow night if we said that tonight, okay? You're a bunch of, but here's the thing that's interesting. Not only did he say babies, he didn't even say little babies. He talks about how you are walking around like babies, which to me is fascinating because he's actually calling you big babies, all right? He's saying you are not little babies. Little babies don't get, they don't walk around. They get held by their mom and dads, but you are walking around and you are a bunch of big babies, um, Dan stepped out and stepped right back in. And when he stepped in the door, he heard me say, you are a bunch of big babies. <laughs> so listen, you, you people, this is what Paul is saying to this church as they are dealing with conflict. I, for one, cannot imagine Pastor Dan getting up and saying that to his church. But I will tell you, while I'm sure there's never conflict here, and so there's no need for Pastor Dan to call you a bunch of babies I will remind you that if Pastor Paul in the scriptures called his flock babies, then Pastor Dan has that right, okay? So we just need to be prepared for that. If there's ever any kind of ridiculous conflict in the church that we're fighting over something we should not be fighting over, just be ready. It may happen. But then we go to verse 4. And in verse 4, it gives us a little insight into what the conflict was about. In verse 4, it says this, For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Wow. So first he calls them babies, big babies, and then he calls them carnal. He says, you people are carnal, and here's what we're going to do about it. He says, quit it. Stop being carnal. It's not about which brand you support or who is the one who led you to grow further in your walk. It would kind of be... In a similar, we're not going to dwell here long, but it would be a similar situation if all of a sudden many people in the church started being like, oh yeah, well, I got discipled by Matt. Oh yeah, well, I got discipled by Dan. Oh yeah, well, I was discipled way back when by Pastor Bruce. Like that, that's what's happening here. Like there's no need. And so Paul steps in and says, are you kidding me? Y'all are fighting about whether you're from Paul or Apollos and all of these things. You're missing the picture. The thing that we need to recognize has nothing to do with that. In fact, it's interesting because this is similar to what I mentioned yesterday in regards to Joshua. You remember what I said about Joshua? It was an either-or question, and they were asking the wrong question. Well, the same thing is true here. The question is not whether you're on Paul's side or Apollos' side. Only being on Jesus' side is what matters. You big babies? (laughs) 
All right? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not really calling you babies. So only being on Jesus' side is what matters. But then look at verse 5. When you read verse 5, it says this, and it really just puts things in perspective. Who then is Paul anyway? I added the word anyway. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers. You know what ministers means? Servants. Paul and Apollos are just servants by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave every man. And then he goes through and he explains the roles of what they're doing. He says in 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one that gave the increase. In other words, yeah, I'm Paul and I had a role in this. Apollos, he's doing something. He had a role in this. But really, it has everything to do with God. Imagine the picture of that. Could you imagine that um, you plant a garden and maybe one person goes and puts the seeds down? And then uh, another person goes and waters. And then the people that put the seeds in are like, we get all the credit for this garden. We're the ones that did it all. And the people that did all the watering are like, no, no, no. We came out here and watered every single day. Are you kidding me? If it wasn't for the water, we wouldn't have the fruit. And they start getting in this debate about if it wasn't for the water, we wouldn't have the fruit. And they say, if you'd have just watered the dirt, you'd have had nothing either. So it's really the seeds that make the difference. And Paul steps in and says, please stop. It's not about who watered or who put the seed in. It's all about The one who actually makes the plant grow, and that's God. God is the one that gives the increase. God is the one that gives the fruit. So we're going to keep moving on here. It says this, the planter is not what matters, and the water doesn't matter. God is the only one that matters. Well, Paul ties this illustration to a second illustration, and it's interesting because you're going to see this happen in this passage, and you're going to see the same thing happen in another passage that we're going to look at. So understand it's intentional that there is an element of gardening and fruit that is then directly connected to this context of building. Look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9 says, We are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So he gives an example saying you are God's husbandry. Um, Okay, Um, the word husbandry, like we understand husband to mean a husband. It really gives the idea of caretaker, which to me is uh, incredibly convicting. Husbands, isn't it incredible that in the name of your title as a husband to your wife, you are given the role to be a caretaker. Make sure that you speak to your wife with care and love her with gentleness, that you are a gentle and loving caretaker of your home, of your family. That's what God has called you to be. So as you see in this context of husbandry, it's really talking about the one who takes care of the garden. All right? It's the one who is taking care of the things that are growing. It's the people that are doing the, the, the planting the seeds and that are, that are feeding the water and doing all of these things. And he says, you are God's husbandry. And it goes on and it says here, and you are God's building in verse 9. Verse 10 is interesting as well. Listen to verse 10. It says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. This is funny to me. Um, it's, it's just odd to me that uh, we speak about like, humility and all of these things. And then Paul gets up. And do you understand what he's saying here in this passage? He's like, hey, listen, God has given me a responsibility as your wise master builder. I think for some reason, I don't know, I got kids, they love Legos, and I think of a master builder in Legos. I'm like, release the Kraken! So it goes to this crazy thing here. But that's not really what's going on. Here's what he says in this passage. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundations can no man lay, which is Jesus Christ. It's kind of like Paul is saying this. Using the gifts that God has given me, I designed the blueprints, all right? Like God gave Paul clearly 
I mean, you go through the New Testament, most of it is written by Paul. God gave Paul this supernatural special gift. He gave him the blueprints for how this was going to work. And Apollos is kind of like putting up the walls for building this building. And every single carpenter who comes on the job should take care to build carefully on its foundation. But listen, all of those building conversations revolve around one most important part. That we can build, you can build with different materials, you can build with different plans, all these things. But it all has to be built upon the structure of Jesus Christ. And the beauty of that is a foundation gives clarity. A foundation kind of gives a lot of freedom. Once you put the foundation of this very church right here, then there's a lot of freedom for where you want to put walls and what you want to do and how you want to do it. But there is no freedom that allows you to go outside of the boundaries of this footprint, of this plan right here. Jesus Christ is the full boundary of what we are allowed to live for and allowed what we are allowed to do. He is the boundary of truth. He is the boundary of love. All of those things is set by Jesus Christ, our foundation. So the question is this. What can we learn from scripture about building our lives on the foundation of Jesus? All right. We, we clearly set the need from first Corinthians chapter three, but now what do we do about it? What, what does Jesus as our foundation actually mean? That's the question I want you to ask right now. Um, I'm a practical guy. When we start talking in super abstract concepts that are kind of hard to pin down, I'm like, no, 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 let's make this practical. What do you want me to do with what you just told me? And so the rest of this message, we're going to talk about what do you do with the truth that Jesus Christ is our only foundation. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Last night I had you turn about 25 times. I think tonight this will be the last time you turn, I think. But just give me that grace if, if I make one more change. Here we go. Matthew chapter uh, 7, please. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start reading... Um, let's read in verse 15. So the last issue was Paul dealing with the conflict in the church. And as he dealt with the conflict, he said, hey, listen, you guys are fighting about things you don't need to be fighting about. You're fighting about where the walls are going and this and that. As long as we are on the foundation of Jesus Christ, he's the most important part, then we can figure things out from there. All right. It goes on in this passage in Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus is speaking. Listen, I love Paul, but it's really fun to listen to Jesus speak, all right? And in this passage, we hear Jesus talking, and I want to go down to verse 15, where we're going to read a few verses, and Jesus is actually dealing with the problem as well. The problem that he's dealing with is not as much conflict as it is false prophets. By the way, if you got false prophets around, it's going to bring conflict, okay? So they kind of are one and the same, as you see here. But in this passage, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says this, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. You shall, ooh, that's good right there. Beware of false prophets. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. You will know them by their fruits. Let me just throw this in out, and it's not even in my notes, but it's just in the side of my Bible. By the way, take notes, because God will use the notes of the messages you've heard to then just encourage you and remind you later on in different ways. It says here in my Bible, you will never hear a sheep howl, and you will never hear a sheep growl or gnarl it. Maybe it's teeth, but you'll never hear a growl, nor you'll never hear a wolf go bah. Listen, here's what I have written down. The mouth shows the heart. 
We, you know what? We don't want a church with wolves and sheep's clothing, people that really have a desire to make it about themselves and a desire to come in and build their kingdoms and their armies and pull people around them so that they can accomplish their agenda. No, no, no. Jesus is the king around here. Jesus is the one that has the freedom to lead us where he wants. And if our mouths are speaking things that are pulling people away or discord or dissension, pulling things away, then we need to recognize that might be signs of a wolf instead of a sheep. As it goes on and it says here, in verse 17, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruits. Whoa. I mean, you can just look at the fruit of somebody's life and you can see what kind of tree it is. Does that make sense? You can kind of just look around. You can listen to the words that they speak. You can watch the actions that they do. Um, It's not hard. You see an apple tree. You know what? Some of y'all can see an apple tree and you know it's an apple tree. I cannot, okay? I'm just telling you, I can't. I don't have apple trees around where I live, but if I see apples hanging off that tree, then I know it's an apple tree, all right? If I see a banana tree, if there's bananas hanging on it, I know it's a banana tree. You can tell what, if there's pears, we do have a lemon tree in our backyard. There's a little lemon. Actually, funny story, it's not ours. It's our neighbor's, but there's one branch that grows over... And it's God's gift to us because all the branches that hang over, we just count anything that, that grows on that side of the fence, just, it comes to our house. So we just run over and grab it. So listen, there's a context here where the fruit displays what, the, what is on the tree, what kind of tree it is. Church, recognize this. What is the fruit in your life? What is the fruit in your life? When you go to work, when you think thoughts, when you tr- talk to your family, when you, in whatever you're doing, um, do you, in, in the, the deep restes of your emotion, the uh, heart of your emotion where you're thinking thoughts of bitterness or frustration or anger, what is the fruit in your life? And what needs to be dealt with so that you can change the fruit? I'll tell you this. You change the roots and you'll change the fruit. The roots need to be found in Jesus Christ and then the fruit will change. That's why it's called, by the way, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are those things that come out as a result of Jesus doing something in your life and in your heart. As we continue reading through this passage, I want to read on. It says in verse 18, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. You see, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is cut down, it's hewn down, and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits shall ye know them. Listen, if you've not heard anything else tonight, and we're going to go through a lot of other really good stuff, but I'll tell you this. The Lord wants you to evaluate the fruit that is evident in your life. And then you need to say, you know what? Based upon the fruit, what is that showing me about the foundation in my life? The fruit will reveal the foundation, okay? That's the fact of the matter. We're going to continue going through this passage. And it says here, um, as we continue on, in verse 22, look down at verse 22. It says this, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have we not cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? God, didn't we do a lot of great things? Like, I served in the nursery, I sang in the platform, I I was nice, I shook people's hands as they came in, I did all these things for you, I maybe went on a missions trip, I did all of these different things for you, isn't that enough? And it goes on and it says here, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I want to be clear. This is just talking about people who have the wrong foundation. You're going to see that in just a second. It's about people who are living for other means instead of understanding that everything comes through Jesus Christ alone, life and salvation. Verse 24 says, Therefore, 
Whoever hears, this is a key that we're going to come back to several times. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Whoever hears these things and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Isn't it interesting that there is a direct parallel to a good tree with good fruit will be likened to a good house that is built upon a rock. There's a direct parallel, not only with Jesus in Matthew 7, but also even with Paul using the exact illustration in 1 Corinthians 3. He wants you to understand whether you're looking at a tree or whether you're looking at a building, both of them give evidence to say that you need to make sure that the fruit matches what you claim, what you believe in your heart. So as we go on, it says here in this passage, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And that should cause us to ask a question, what does a good foundation on Jesus Christ, built upon Jesus Christ, look like in our lives? And I want to go through a handful of points. I think you've got them in your notes there. We're going to read them. We're going to go through them quickly, and we're going to talk through these points. A wise man builds his house on a good foundation. Number one, a good foundation is unseen, but it's essential. You know, I walk through a neighborhood. I, I like to go running in Florida, and I'll run through these neighborhoods. And usually, um, the, the main neighborhood I run through is across the street from mine. And there is just empty lots except for this whole process of these houses being built. And it's incredible because they put these things up in less than a month. I'll be running, and like on October 1st, they'll lay the platform. By November 1st, it looks like a house. And it's just like, how are they putting these things up so fast? And so I run through these neighborhoods, look at these. But you can see this first thing that they start with. There's basically a concrete slab and there's some pipes coming out of the ground. And you, listen, you'll know by the end of the night, I'm not a construction guy. I'm sure that some of you are. I love to learn, so you can come and tell me all about what I'm seeing. But the reality is I know that they're going to build a house because there's houses over here and there's none over there and there's something happening in the middle. But you have a concrete slab with pipes coming out and you've got the, the wood that's built around the outside that's holding in the concrete when there are the... I'm sorry, when they pour it, you know what I'm talking about. All right. So it goes on and you see this, that a good foundation is unseen. You do not see that foundation once the house is finished. You see this entire building and you don't see the foundation anymore. I think it's ironic that we as Christians, we live in this life. And you know what? Most people in this world don't walk around and see Jesus. All right. They see you. And you are a part of what Jesus is building for his kingdom. They see you. Listen, a good foundation is unseen, but it's essential. Do not try to build a structure without a foundation. If you try to build a structure without a foundation, it is not going to be good. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It is our faith in what is unseen that brings God joy. How are you doing with that? Are you able to trust in the things that you don't see and that you don't understand? A good foundation is seen, but it is, is, is not seen, but it's essential. Number two, a good foundation is weight bearing. This is probably my favorite point. I should have saved it for last, so I'll get most excited about it. But listen, a good foundation is weight bearing. You build this foundation and guess what? You put all the weight right on top of it. Here's what that meant to me as I was studying through this. The foundation is what holds the burden of weight and everything else can rest on the foundation. You know what? Jesus Christ is our only foundation. He holds the burden of weight and everything in our lives can rest on him. 
Listen to this. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That is the weight that he was willing to carry for us. Jesus, our foundation. And by the way, not only in salvation, but in the process of what the gospel does as it draws us to be more and more close, more and more like him, made into his image, we get to rest in him. We don't have to worry about holding everything up. We get to rest in him. A good foundation is unseen but essential. A good foundation is weight-bearing. Listen to this. A good foundation provides clarity. You can kind of see a foundation and get a quick idea for what this is going to be. If it's a massive foundation, like for a skyscraper tower in New York City, you get an idea. This is a big thing happening here. You get this small little foundation. It's not going to give clarity. Once you understand the foundation, you have clarity about the scope of the building, and you have an idea of what the building is going to look like. You know what? I, I was thinking about that. Once I see Jesus Christ, I get an idea of what I'm supposed to look like. When I see the foundation that is made in Jesus Christ alone, I say, that is the image that I'm supposed to live, to identify. as That is the, the, the representation that I'm supposed to shine for the world to see. I'm supposed to look just like what Jesus sets before me. So a good foundation provides clarity. Also, a good foundation provides a framework. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, um, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen to this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. We are not, uh, the, the, the shape of the foundation tells you that we need to be conformed to Jesus, not to the things of this world. We can look at Jesus and we can see what our lives should be conformed to. You want to know what your life is supposed to look like? Look at Jesus and you'll see an example, a foundation, a framework for what your life is supposed to be. The next point there says a good foundation exists to build one's life upon. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Write that down. It says this, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. That helps us understand that we are supposed to not just... See the foundation and go stand on it. We are supposed to build on it. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to follow in the footsteps of the mentors who have gone before us. Um, I used to go to a Christian camp in North Carolina. In fact, I spent four summers there. And as you're, you go into the camp and you see this beautiful sign that says the wilds and it's an incredible thing. And you go in and you have an amazing transformative life changing week. And as you're there and your life has been impacted by the gospel and you feel closer to the Lord than you've ever been. As you're leaving the camp on Saturday morning, there is a, that same sign that you saw coming in has a message on the back. And the message tells you, it says, I will, con- or it says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of. It means, you know what, every single one of us are not starting on our own. We are starting in a a pattern of discipleship and growth where we are able to build off of what we have learned and build off of those who have walked faithful lives before us. I'm going to give you a quick and weird example um, that I don't even know a ton about, but just bear with me. I see the lives of your pastor and his two brothers, and I see what God is doing through them and their ministries in northern Vermont. 
And I think to myself, wow, it's because of the testimony of what God has done and through the testimony of their parents and then also through the testimony of the mentors and the people that have come beside them in their life. And because of that, I believe that God is blessing them. In fact, I think it was the first day I was here, I said, man, you remind me of Joseph. Like God is just blessing you and your ministry and the context of what God is doing here. It's an incredible thing, but we are not an island. We get to stand on Jesus and we get to build off of one another. One person puts one wall, one person puts another, and then we get to go to the second level and we get to build up on the second floor and all of those things. It's a project where we get to build our life upon. And then we see here, the last one says, and a good foundation ensures longevity. All right. I don't know much about building. I'll tell you that much, but I do know this. If the foundation is solid, there's a good chance the building is going to last a long time. Is that fair? If the, bu- if the foundation is solid, there's a good chance that the building is going to last a long time. You know what's amazing about that? Our foundation in Jesus Christ is solid, okay? And that means there's a good chance that when we put our trust and faith and hope in Jesus Christ alone, we're going to have some, uh, we're going to be living a long time. I'm just telling you. By the way, that's what John 3.16 says, Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but what? Yes, you have everlasting life. We are on a solid foundation, and that solid foundation guarantees longevity, eternal life, not because of how good the building is, but because of how good the foundation in Jesus is. So as we continue reading on, that takes us through verse 25. Let me read this, in fact. I want to read verse 24 and 25 again. 24 says this, Therefore, whoever... Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And verse 25 shows us what happens. And it says here, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. I I just would love for that to say, the rock. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to change scripture. Calm down. I'm not. But I'm just saying, when I read that, I read that as like, man, if my life is founded upon the rock, then it doesn't matter what storms will come my way. I will be able to stand on Jesus Christ. Man, that's an incredible thing. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow night as we talk about peace, the only peace in the midst of the storms that we face. I hope you'll be here for that. As we continue on, I want to look at the next set of verses, and it's the contrast. Verses 26 and 27 are a direct contrast to what we read in 24 and 25. So let's read verse 26 together. It says, And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. See how it's the contrast? It's saying the exact opposite of what it said in 24. For every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So we see that a wise man builds his house on a good foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. But a foolish man builds his foundation on sinking sand. Um, During COVID, my family uh, got really bored in the house, and we were like looking for something to do. And somehow I snuck out, and I found... That at Academy Sports, they had one 16-foot above-ground pool left. And I was like, I am going to be my family's 
my kid's favorite parent for one day, all right? I'm going to go get that pool, and we're going to go set it up. So we went over there, and I don't know if you guys have done this before, but I think you're supposed to have, like, a whole long process before you just set the pool up. And I was like, I just want to get in the pool. I mean, we've been trapped in the house. It's COVID, so I will throw a tarp down because that sounds like I'm doing something good, and then we will build this above-ground pool, and we're going to jump in. And so we got the pool, brought it to the house, put the tarp down because I was like protecting it from stuff. And then we built the pool and we started filling up with water. And I was like, I looked at him like, it looks, looks good. It like, looks good to me. You look at you kids. My kids, were, they were pretty small and they're like, looks good, dad. Can we get in yet? I'm like, no, 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 let's wait. We'll put the water in. So we turned the water in. The water got to about one inch and we all jumped in. We're like, <laughs> we're ready to go. We're jumping around, swimming around that pool, having a good old time. And as the water was going up, I was like, um... I'm seeing a problem, but uh, I don't really want to address it because we're having so much fun. And if I address this problem, it's going to probably put us a few days back because then I'm going to have to go through a lot of work that I don't want to do. So we'll just let the water keep going up. And I noticed that like there would be like the water would be up at like five squares on this side and no squares on this side. And I was like, <laughs> um, there's a problem. The water is why is the water only going up on one side of the pool? This is not good. It's not balanced. And long story short, it, was, it, was, it ended up not being terrible, but it ended up driving me crazy for the next year and a half because you go out there and the, the water was like this. But the whole time, my wife was saying, we are not paying for that water bill again and dumping all that water out and doing this again. And I'm like, well, uh, all right, it's, it's on you then. We'll just leave it. So long story short, we swam. And it kind of felt like you're swimming like this all the time in the pool. But we still had a great time. It lasted a couple of years and we got rid of it. So long story short... Um, a bad foundation. When you have sinking sand, I don't even know if it was sinking sand or roots or what it was, um, but when you have sinking sand or messed up roots, here's the key. When you have a bad foundation, uh, it's going to take you off center. It's going to have you lean a little to, to, the, to the right or to the left, and it's going to make you fall instead of stand. Listen to this. A foolish man builds his foundation on sinking sand. It probably could say a foolish man will build his pool um, on, on crooked sand as well. But listen what it says here. A bad foundation is unstable. Your notes should say that. A bad foundation is unstable. And when I think about that, let me be really clear in my points here. I'm not ever saying that when you put your hope or trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus is a bad foundation, Jesus will never be a bad foundation. That's the point of the entire message, is if you want the right foundation, then build on Jesus Christ. If you want risk, liabilities, problems, destruction in your life, then try building on anything else, and that's what's going to happen. When you build on anything but Jesus, you're going to find instability. That's probably what my notes should have said. When you build on anything but Jesus, you're going to be unstable. Instability in your life means you're going to have doubts. You're going to have weak faith. Problems are going to come up and you're instantly going to just question everything. You're going to be listening to people that, that hate God, listening to people that disagree with God, listening to people that teach things that are opposed to what God teaches, and it's going to weaken your faith. It's going to cause you to, to doubt. For years, I, I was in education and studying and studying and taking class after class after class. Praise the Lord. I've not been in any school for two years, and I'm very thankful for it. But I will tell you, during some of those courses, I had to read all kinds of content, read all kinds of stuff. And what I found is the more things that I read, read that were anti-God, the more it wore down my faith. Now listen, there's a balance here. I'm not telling you don't ever read anything that's not accurate. I'm just saying you need to make sure that the foundation is solid 
before you go off studying things of people who are trying to convince you that there is no God and people that are trying to convince you that there is no truth, no absolute truth. God's word is truth. Once the foundation is solid, then you need to be well-educated and you need to understand all perspectives. But when you're feeling lopsided because you spent so much time studying and saturating yourself with people who don't believe in God, there's a problem. And I'll tell you, during that season, I felt like I was getting smarter and smarter. And the truth is, I was coming up with more and more questions, more and more doubts. My faith was getting weaker and weaker. And you say, well, then how did you come out of it? Why are you even up here preaching? I was listening to a good preacher and that good preacher said, Lee, he didn't say Lee, but I heard Lee. He said, Lee, I need you to understand that you will always give somebody the benefit of the doubt. You're going to give that scientist who's telling you there's no God the benefit of the doubt. You're going to give this um, philosopher who tells you that there's no God the benefit of the doubt. Or you can give God the benefit of the doubt. Who are you going to choose to believe? Who are you going to choose to trust and to put your faith in? I'll tell you, I decided right there, I said, you know what? I want to, to re-ground myself in my understanding of what God's word says. I want to make sure that I'm balanced and, and understanding his word, that Jesus is my foundation. I'm going to only give Jesus the benefit of the doubt. It's okay when I don't understand this or that. He, he holds all the mysteries in his hands. He knows them all. Someday if he, if he cares to tell me, then maybe I'll ask him. But until then, I'll just trust that what he says in his word is what I'm going to believe. And I have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And he's the one that I feel most confident, most prepared to give the benefit of the doubt. And by the way, if I didn't, it doesn't matter because he doesn't need my benefit of the doubt. Do you understand that? He is a God that stands far above anything that I can give him. I'm so thankful that he gave me the grace to go back into his word and to find that, the, the, the strength of faith again. As we go on, it says here, a bad foundation is unstable, causing doubts and weak faith. James 1, 6 and 7 says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. The Lord is pleased when we are people of faith, all right? If you tried to have faith in anything else, your foundation is unstable. Number two, it says here, a bad foundation will cause cracks. Man, once we start making exceptions, we begin to have cracks, and we begin to, if if our foundation is not in Jesus Christ, then we have cracks on our morals, cracks where we say, yeah, I'll just let this sin slip through, I'll let this thing go through. Listen, we need to have our foundation in Jesus Christ alone. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good manners, good corrupts good character, the idea there. Listen, if you're putting yourself around the wrong people, that goes back to what I said. If you're filling your mind with people that hate God, it's going to pull you away from the Lord. So make sure that you're not misled, that you are not corrupted in your character. Number three, a, a poor foundation requires costly repairs. You know what that means? Um, when you build a house, if there's a poor foundation, it's going to cost a lot. Has anybody ever had any foundation problems in your house? And you're like, oh man, now we got to fix this. I remember going to my grandparents' house. They lived on 4330 Abbott Avenue, Titusville, Florida, which is where the space shuttle goes up. My grandfather worked with NASA and did all that cool stuff. But they had a house and there was this um, the terrazzo floors. Do y'all know what that is in Vermont? They've got terrazzo. So terrazzo floors, it's kind of like this beautiful, almost marble, but it's a little tiny rocks that are all very smooth. And so you walk in, it's 
like almost like marble floors in a sense. Um, and they had this floor, but you walk into the living room and there was literally like the great divide. There was this crack in the floor that went like this and you, you could like trip over it or whatever. But the crazy thing is when I was a kid, it was only the floor. And as I got to be a teenager, the crack like went up the walls and you started to see this whole process of what looked like the entire house was going to be split in two. Now they came in, they'd like putty it up. Actually, my grandfather, he had a theme in life and his theme was like, I don't need to fix that. The Lord's coming back. That's what he would say. <laughs> about everything. Like, oh, I don't need to fix that air conditioner. We'll just duct tape it. Duct tape was his best friend. The Lord's coming back. So there's no need to fix that. There's no need to put this house back together. The Lord's coming back. So he is with the Lord now. I'm so thankful for his legacy of faith. But I will tell you this, that house, when they passed away and that house got sold to an investor, I guarantee you the first major thing that they were working on was how can we take these two houses and put them back together? Because the cracks were going up all the walls, all the way up. They talk, uh, One day we got up on the roof and we're like putting tar to reconnect the roof. It was just crazy. And so we see this. So listen, a bad foundation is going to have cracks. A bad foundation is going to have costly repairs. There are going to be great consequences. Galatians 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. Listen to this. If you are building your life on a foundation, anything other than Jesus Christ, there will be great consequences. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man reaps, that will he sow. Whatsoever sow to please their flesh, I'm sorry, uh, whosoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whosoever sows um, uh, to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Like, listen, whatever you're investing in, you will reap the benefits, the benefits or the consequences of it. Let me ask you this. What did you invest in today? Were you investing in things that are going to have eternal value or things that are going to burn up? Things that are going to have negative consequence or things that are going to have great value? Being here tonight, guess what? That's good investments. Good consequences will come. Listen, it goes on to this last point. It says here, a poor foundation causes misguided decisions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto thine understandings, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. A poor foundation causes misguided decisions. You ever been in a context where you think to yourself, why did I do that? Why did I make that choice? Um... Maybe it's because I didn't go to Jesus about how I should have dealt with that. You know, for me personally, one of my tendencies is like, man, why did I say that to that person? I wish I would have just like prayed about it first. I wish I would have like gone to Jesus, trusted in the foundation that my life is built upon. Why did I try to take that into my own hands and do it my own way? Misguided decisions, unwise actions. I need to trust in the Lord, even when I don't understand, even when I'm frustrated with how somebody else does something. I need to trust that he is the right foundation. And then lastly tonight, a poor foundation has eternal consequences. Just like I said a moment ago, that a good foundation endures longevity. A good foundation ensures uh, longevity. We see that a poor foundation has eternal consequences. Look at verse 24 and 26 with me. 24 and 26, here's what it says. 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine... And doeth them, I will liken them to a wise person, which houses, um, I'm sorry, which built his house upon a rock. 26 says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, one little word, shall be likened 
unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. In both of these examples, Jesus explains that the foundation by which you build your life upon will be evident by the actions of your life. Do you see that? It says, whoso heareth and doeth, or whoso heareth and doeth not. In other words, let me, let me say this. Listen, the foundation, oh, I got a really good point. I don't see here in my notes. The foundation that you build your life upon will be evident by the fruit that grows on your tree. Let me say this. The foundation that you build your building on is going to be evident by whether or not the building stands or crumbles. And that's going to be determined by if you're standing on Jesus Christ and if your foundation is built on him or if it's not. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to encourage you that you can find out real quickly and easily as you look through scripture, you can say this. Oh, this is a very clear thought. Here's what it is. Listen, therefore, whoever whoever heareth and saith these, um, heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. The doing is the fruit. The not doing is the fruit. So if you are putting your life in each one of these contexts that we looked at tonight, if you are putting your life on Christ, then the actions of what you do as you build makes it evident You say, but I don't know if my life is built upon Jesus Christ. Here's the start. Have you put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ? Listen, you don't want to be one of the ones that stand before him on that day saying, God, I did all the serving. I did all the things I thought I was supposed to do. No, it has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with what Jesus did. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he became the foundation that we build our lives upon. And he is the only hope for us. So listen, Jesus is our only foundation. Will you live for him? Will you recognize that the fruit of your life will reveal... Let me be clear on this. Last, last phrase is this. The fruit of your life is not what puts you on the foundation. The fruit of your life doesn't put you on the foundation. The fruit of your life is evident by being on the foundation. And that's the most important part. Will you pray with me? I'm going to ask Pastor Dan to come up and conclude this message as we pray, after we pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you that as we look into your word, we see these incredible truths about building our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ alone. God, I pray that if there's anybody here that they've never built their life on your foundation by putting their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight they will make that decision. I pray that tonight they will not leave this place without saying, I want to build my life on Jesus God, there are many of us here that have made that same decision. We followed you in in baptism. We've joined the church. We've served. We've done these other things. But yes, sometimes, God, we are tempted to step out off of the foundation that you are and to do things in our own way. God, I pray that tonight you'll convict us and draw us closer to you. Help us to realize the areas where we're building off of the foundation and help us to get back on track with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.